Welcome back to Glitchcast, episode number 56. We are back after a one-week break because we have two reviews for you. Um, and the next month is pretty pretty barren anyways, as it is, so, you know, try to stretch it out a little bit. What's um, the month that's uh, that you call Dumpuary? Is that February? D- Dumpuary is February, I yes. feel like we're already there, though. We got some... Oh yeah, Crap. usually yeah, usually January is pretty bad. You get like one bad horror movie, which Escape, Escape Room. Room. We yeah. we might mm-hmm. review maybe on who knows. Dude, I don't know um, about that. <laughs> and there's then there's literally nothing else, and then it's just like any of like the awards movies that are just like expanding into more theaters, and then it's just yeah. like nothing else for January. February's a little better now, but we got Captain Marvel soon, right? Captain Marvel's beginning of March. Oh um, man, something big's coming up in February, right? Happy Death Day to you. Is Ooh, I like February. That one. <laughs> um, Glass is at the end of January. Okay. So that's that's a big one. Um, but we have Vice and Bumblebee today, so we'll have non-spoiler and spoiler reviews for that. Uh, news, as always, we'll talk a little bit about the Golden Globes. Uh, we have two trailers, uh, Mads Mikkelsen edition and then a What You Watching, because news is light. Movie news. All right, so Golden Globes were on Sunday night, uh, hosted by Andy Samberg and Sandra Oh, possibly the weirdest pairing Strange. Yeah. yeah, I don't Mm -hmm. know. There's literally no precedent for it. I don't think they had any sort of previous working relationship in any manner. Um, And that showed. It did, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But the winners here were, you know, standard Golden Globe fare. The Hollywood Forum, this isn't like the Academy or anything. This is Hollywood Forum Press, so a bunch of foreign journalists and stuff. And. They always have these outlandish picks. I mean, r- weird movies are selected. They have the musical or comedy category, which had The Martian in it a few years ago. So it's mm-hmm. always always kind of weird. Um, and some of the some of the the winners are kind of out of left field. Glenn Close won, which apparently she's very good in this movie that no one has seen. What was called it called? The wife. The wife. Just wife. The wife. The yeah. wife. Okay. Yeah. My wife. Uh, My wife. Over Lady Gaga, who was probably the front runner would be my guess. Yeah. Um so whatever. Best actor was Rami Malik, who, while he was very good, I don't quite know if he was better than, say, Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born or Christian Bale, who we'll get talking to uh later in this yeah, episode. I, I mean we've seen both those movies and I think both of those picks outdo Rami Malik. Yep. And then the biggest one of the night was Bohemian Rhapsody winning for best drama. Oh my goodness! Uh, over what? A Star Is Born. What over else? A Star Is Born. Um, oh my God! Clearly, oh my the front God. runner was A Star Is Born. I can't believe that. Yeah, that in, that movie got snubbed all night, didn't it? Except uh, yeah, for a best Star single, Born only I think. only got one win, and that was for original song, which mm-hmm. was like if it didn't win that, something was up. People would be rioting in the streets. So. Bohemian Rhapsody beat up Black Klansman, If Beale Street Could Talk, A Star Is Born, and Black Panther. Wow. And you've seen all of those, I think. And I have Bohemian seen Bohemian Rhapsody is probably, in our opinion, the worst. It is certainly the worst out of that <laughs> bunch. What do you think? Because a lot of times, you know, La La Land, you know, you could argue that Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. What Do you think that there's a reason that this one, like there's a message they're sending acceptance maybe this is the theme uh i don't know mm, that see that doesn't make any sense though because like black klansman is uh, right, about yeah. race if black Street panther Talk is a yeah. lot about race black panther is a yeah extremely important cultural film so i i honestly don't know it just feels like a weird random thing that happened and it's just like they're 
it, the thing is, it's like not even the most popular film out of the bunch. Star Wars: no. and Black Panther were more popular than it. I don't get it. I don't. I really don't. Um, it didn't really have the star power either. Yeah, it had Rami Malek, but the rest of the the people who played Queen were no namers. And we're not even talking about the biggest aspect of this. Last year was the whole Times Up Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. You know who directed this film, at least right. partially? Brian Singer. Brian Singer, who's yeah. a pedophile. Right. Luckily, he didn't get thanked. I know that's a story yeah. today. Um, yeah. Even though he, I think he tweeted, "You're welcome" or like, "Thank you yeah. for remembering me" or some shit. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so that's absolutely wild. My hope. Generally, the Golden Globes aren't really that tied to what happens at the Oscars, and the Oscars are generally more important. Um, I, not generally, are more important mm-hmm. for movies than the Golden Globes are because the Golden Globes is just like you know, just a big party. Cele- yeah, celebrities go and get drunk, and yeah. you know, whatever. Um, the other one was so best film, musical, or comedy. Green Book won over Crazy Rich Asians, The Favorite, Mary Poppins, and Vice. Um, I I haven't seen Green Book. I don't have any desire to see it because it feels like a movie that was made strictly for my grandparents. For sure. Like like the movie Fences a couple years ago. You remember that with yes. Denzel Washington? Like yes. I don't care or the Proust. Um I just it's just made for grandparents and sorry, and it, grandparents and it that feels, are listening. It feels like a movie that's supposed to be like, you know, about like like racial divide in like the sixties or something, but it just feels like it probably goes about it all the wrong ways and like makes it very comedic, which like, yeah, you can do that. But I just, there's just something about this movie that just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I don't have any really interest in seeing it, but we generally see all the Oscar movies, try and rank them, try and predict who's going to win. So I imagine we'll actually end up seeing green book. Uh, wouldn't you think? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's our duty to, watch them all overall though i thought it was a pretty flat golden globes like it wasn't that funny i was fast luckily i usually start about an hour in and i have a dv i just fast forward through most of the boring speeches all the commercials and i felt like i didn't really watch anything um yeah i'm with you on that i started i don't know probably 45 minutes in and one we were coming off the bears loss so yeah i was pretty depressed i was Mm. extremely depressed and just kind of out of it and just like scrolling through my my Twitter feed just relive the moment. And we're, uh, we're Chicago people, if, if those of you listeners don't know. And boy, I think Bears are our favorite team. Maybe Cubs for you, but that that was just brutal. And we're not going to turn into a sports podcast, but boy, that, that was brutal. And yeah, so I was watching it, and generally I would skip commercials and like all like the in-between crap or the, like the stuff that I don't like speeches and stuff. But I was like so out of it that I like I don't think I started skipping commercials until like two hours in when it was like too just, late anyways. Your body was numb and your, yeah. your mind was dead. But I didn't. I didn't think like any of the jokes were funny. Andy Samberg tried. They tried doing like the roast thing, like Ricky Gervais does. But they just redid what Andy Samberg did at James Franco's Comedy Central roast. Yeah. Where he basically just like complimented him and then was like, "Boom, roasted." Except it wasn't like none of them were funny. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when they, when they went to roast somebody, even Sandra Oh, they were just like, "Bradley Cooper, you're hot." Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not funny. We know Bradley like, Cooper's hot. Yeah, and, like, all the timing was off. It was so bad. And Sandra Oh, wooden. Not good. No no synergy up there. Yeah, yeah, it was it was rough. It was rough. Yeah. And I really like Andy Samberg. He did really well hosting yeah. the uh, Emmys a few years ago, but, um, yeah, it was just a weird pairing. And I think maybe they had too little time because they, they only hopped on it, like, a month ago, too. Okay. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens There's with the like Oscars. A flu shot joke. As well. I just oh, fast yeah, forwarded through that. I yeah. was like, "This is not funny." I did like the small dig at anti-vaxxers because, yeah. like, you know, vaccinate your children, but yeah. like, 
and Hollywood is like known for being anti-vaxxers, or at least a section of them is. So I thought that was kind of funny. It was like a nice little Regina dab. King's speech was good. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the I rest... think that I I think her speech was also they also let it. You know, it was good. They, they started to try go, and cut it off because yeah. they're like, oh, we can't cut this off. This is too. And it also went on so long that I think they started cutting stuff more from the show. And you could, like, tell they were, like, speeding up reading yeah. nominees off and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know. That happens. But uh, Bill Murray was clearly one. wasted. Um, Harrison Ford <laughs> Jeff, did not give a shit. Jeff Bridges was high yes. as fuck. Yeah. Um, as I know about the Golden Globes. I agree. Uh, <clears throat> Brad Bird, who directed The Incredibles and... Uh, Mission Impossible Ghost yeah, Protocol? Ghost Protocol, Tomorrowland, uh, yeah, has revealed that his next project is going to be a musical uh, based on an original idea, um, scored by Michael Giacchino, or Ooh, get, yes. some, I think that's how you say it, uh, who made the music for The Incredibles and many other movies. He's a really good composer. Um, how do you feel about this? Is it interesting to you? Love I don't it. know if it's supposed Love to be it. animated. I, don't I mean, I'm, I'm so tired of rehashes and reboots. Like, this is a very good director, and we're talking about a musical here, which we're not the biggest fans of, but when we get a good one, we like it. Uh, original IP, awesome. Somebody finally doing something new. Yeah. Um, I obviously really like Ghost Protocol, Mission Impossible, Love Incredibles. Thought Incredibles 2 was very good, but a step below. Tomorrowland was hot garbage, and that's yeah. another original, which so is, I'm hoping... Lindelof was attached to that, yeah, too. Yeah, Lindelof, I think, punched it what up. What the hell? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, See, so hopefully this is a better idea than Tomorrowland was, or at least has a better, you know, uh, direction and execution. Yep, we need to hear about... We need a synopsis before we can have a final say, but love that somebody's doing something original. Yes. Um, Space Jam almost had a sequel slash spinoff um, called Skate Jam, starring Tony Hawk and the rest of the Looney Tunes characters. Uh, this was in, like, 2003. They had approached uh, Tony Hawk about it and wanted to do that whole thing. Oh, no. Apparently, there was also one with Jackie Chan <laughs> called in what? the works. Punch um, Jam? Uh, Karate was, Jam? I believe it was called, like, Cop Jam. Or something oh, like good. that. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was one with uh, Jeff Gordon, the NASCAR driver, called Race Jam. Oh, am I glad that the Space Jam cinematic universe did not take off? And I, I, I the, apparently there was another Looney Tunes movie I think that came out or something around that time, or maybe uh, whoever owns that Warner Brothers put yeah, something out at be. that time as well, and it like bombed super bad, so then they shelved it. Um, I, t- have, I, I don't think they, these would have been good. Have we seen Tony Hawk act? I imagine he's really bad. I think I've seen him in commercials and stuff. Uh, maybe yeah, some know. acting for maybe like his a weird sports cameo game. Like some weird movie. Uh, this, yeah, this would have been brutal. And it probably would have like made the memory of Space Jam, which we know is a bad movie, but is held in our hearts dearly. It probably would have tainted that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a Vanilla Ice biopic is in development um, starring Dave Franco. Nice. I don't quite. I guess I could see it. I guess I could see it. I don't. Is Vanilla Ice that interesting of a person? He is. Yeah. I don't know much about his backstory, but I know during his time, you know, there was the controversy of him stealing the beat from Under Pressure, David Bowie and Queen. There was he lost a bunch of money and I think went bankrupt. Then I remember buying a CD when I was young. Vanilla Ice went hard. Like he went like Corn, Deftones, Rage Against Machines. He started making hard, hard ass music. Um, you know, he's still touring to this day. He did a tour a couple of years ago in my hometown, Kankakee. 
I'm getting too personal here, but yeah, he's got a he's got a storied uh, storied background, and uh, I'd like to see what he's all about. All right, all right, Dave Franco, nice. Dave Franco hasn't really been in uh, anything recently. What was the Actually, last thing? He 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 did he had like a one scene role in If Beale Street Could Talk, oh. uh, and that's it. I can't think of anything else. He was in a really bad movie on Netflix called like Six Balloons. That was supposed to be about heroin addiction, and it was just like the oh with the girl darkest. from. Um... Broad City, Broad yeah. City, yeah. Did you see the little hours with him? I did, yeah. That Boy, was, was that weird. <laughs> that was weird, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of um, Disney streaming service, Disney Plus, uh, is not going to make original Star Wars movies uh, for that streaming service, confirms Bob Iger. I think this is this, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, I mean, we know how much you love Star Wars, so I'm sure you're sad. Um, you've got, you know, the big screen is going to hold the big new movies. They're going to tone it down a bit on just keeping cashing in on all these movies. But we've got The Mandalorian coming. I'm sure that, that we've got the movie about Cassian Andor from Rogue One. We've got a series about him coming as well. So they'll make TV shows for Disney Plus. They'll leave the movies to the big screen, which is fine. Yeah, I think that's the right way. I think it's a relief for both of us. Oh, oh, oh yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> Give me some like cool miniseries from like 10,000 years ago. I'm sick of being in this time frame. I don't. I don't want Disney Plus to make any sort of movies. Right. Just do like series and like miniseries and stuff, and you know maybe make like you know like your your one off like cartoon movies and stuff. But continue making your big movies for the theaters. Like they have like a twenty six percent market share in like the film industry, and they make like ten movies a year. Yeah. Just keep doing that. You don't need to make movies for your stupid service. Well, Bob Iger's uh, calling it like he sees it, so he yeah. he agrees with you. Uh, Danny DeVito has joined Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart in the Jumanji sequel. Oh, my God. I love this. Um, I think there's been some other casting news about people joining as well, but this one takes the cake. Um, Danny DeVito, always a treat to see on screen. I love seeing him outside of Always Sunny because he just has white, like, bird-like hair, and it's hilarious. But Jumanji, big surprise of last year, the year before. I can't remember when it came out, but... I expected it to be pure trash, and it was really, really funny. Highly recommended. Yeah, I loved it. It was like one of my favorite movies that came out last year. I thought it was going to shit all over the original. You know, they took a lot of creative liberty, um, changing up the story, but it was really good. Highly recommended. Yeah, def- definitely deserves a watch. And I like, I'm not like the biggest fan of the original Jumanji, anyways. Mm. But it was, I mean, it was like super different, anyways. Um, God, yeah, it was so good. It was really funny. <laughs> That's it for movie news. TV news, just two stories this week. Uh, Stranger Things Season 3 premieres on the 4th of July this year. Still kind of far away, sadly, but um, how do you feel about this? Because the the past the first two seasons were like Halloween releases. Yeah, so a couple things. I loved them hitting Halloween. It, as of last year, uh, or whenever the heck the last season came out, it was two years ago, right? We kind of yeah. felt like we had a new Halloween tradition coming where this new season of Stranger Things would come out around Halloween. It was a great talking point with my peers. Everybody watches the show in my friend group, that is. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they're going to take kind of a summer camp vibe with this one. There's a new poster. I'll see if we can tweet that out, put it on Instagram. That really makes this look like a different yeah. vibe um, than previous seasons. What about you? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I like it. Um, <clears throat> the, the whole the, – the season feels like it's going to revolve a lot around um, – the summertime and like this mall. And when you, when I think of like the mall, a mall in the eighties, I think of like summertime and like, you know, like all that, like a bunch of kids just hanging out around there. So that's what it feels like this vibe is going to be. And that poster for sure just 
is very reminiscent of like a, a summertime vibe. You've got so. you know fireworks in the sky. I think you can see a fair in the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll definitely be a different look and feel. And uh, usually isn't summer pretty much a wasteland for TV, so I'm kind of excited to have something to talk yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Black Mirror creator Charlie Brooker, uh, so he has said that making the interactive choose-your-own-adventure film Bandersnatch uh, that was released on Netflix at the end of December was like making four episodes, so as a result, season five has gotten pushed back Um they still have the release date for 2019, but there's no like specific date, uh, so that means it, hell, it could be at the end of the year. So we could still be like 11 months away from getting the rest of the episodes. The only other thing we really know is that Miley Cyrus is in an episode, and I think that's oh, the wow. only thing we know about this. Other than that, I think we might know a couple titles, but that's it. Um, we'll get to Bandersnatch and what you watch, and we both watched it, or you know, worked our way through it. We experienced it. Yep. Um, I. I feel like we're probably going to feel the same on this where we wish that we would have just gotten season five right away. Yeah, half of me thinks that, and the other half, like, the first movie ever made was probably crap. The first YouTube video ever made was crap. The first virtual reality experience was crap. Virtual Boy was trash. And the first choose-your-own-adventure film on Netflix wasn't very good, but you don't want to stifle originality, and I'm glad that they tried something new, and I think, you know a year, three years, five years from now, we could get some really cool iterations of this, but just leaves me hungry for some really good Black Mirror. <sighs> yes, it does. It does a lot. Um, that is it for news this week, which means it's time for trailers, Matt's Mickelson edition. <laughs> Before you talk about what movies they are, can you read the, uh, the, two, the names of the two movies we're about to review the trailer for? Oh, yes. Um, I removed Polar all the other crap. Yeah, go ahead. And Arctic. Polar Arctic? Yes. Those are two different movies. Two different movies. Two and different hold movies. Hold on, hold on. It, it, Do they both star the same person? Is that what you they, said? They both <laughs> star Mads Mikkelsen in the lead role. Oh, my goodness. And completely different plots. Wildly yes, different plots. Wildly different. They sound like they could be the same movie called Polar Arctic starring mm-hmm. Mads Mikkelsen, but they are two different movies starring Mads Mikkelsen called Polar Arctic. Let's talk about Polar first. All right. Polar is a Netflix film. Um... And Mads in this one plays a retired hitman slash assassin, kind of like John Wick. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously in some sort of cold northern town, mm-hmm. uh, hence the name Polar, uh, or at least I would, you know, I would think. Um, and as most things go for most hitmen that are retired in movies, he's not really allowed to stay hit- retired. Uh, whoever runs the assassin organization that apparently is in the world uh, has decided that he's a liability, so he sends all you know younger assassins after him. And he has no, to I think and- it was about like who when when an assassin dies and if any money's available gets put back into the company or something. So they hire people to kill him to get that money back to the company. Oh, okay. But either way, the company that employed him wants him dead and yep. is getting other hitmen to go after him. And he's yeah. got a little neighbor girl that he likes, kind of a kid uh, that he's fond of. Yep. And Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah, yeah, all hell seems to break loose. Yep. Um, I thought it looks fun. It does look fun. It reminded me of, you know, John Wick mixed with that Hotel Artemis movie, which apparently was mm-hmm. big trash. I never watched oh, yeah. it, did you? Oh, yeah. Was... But mixed with, you know, like, oh, what was that movie with all the assassins that come together that you like a lot? Sam Rockwell, I think, is in it. Sevens? No, no. Is it Sevens? Smoke and Aces? Smoke and Aces, yeah. yeah. It just looks kind of crazy and kind of reminds me of Taken, a guy who is older and just wants to settle down and just has to come back and kick ass. 
Um, but yeah, it looks fun. But yeah, that actually is a couple weeks away. I believe it was January 25th is when that uh, debuts on Netflix. So we'll watch that. Hell, maybe we'll review it. I, I'm in. Like, I think it looks great and yeah. don't have to leave our couch. So Exactly. Um, on to the other uh, winter-themed sounding name uh, for this movie. Uh, Arctic is yet another one starring Mads Mikkelsen. Except this, he's not a hitman in this. Um, doesn't really seem to be any backstory for him. He seems to be trapped in uh, an Arctic wasteland. Um, I don't know if it's Antarctica or if it's just somewhere in like the Arctic Circle. But he, he's he. There's like a downed plane. It looks like is it was that a plane? Yeah, it's it a plane. Like a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a, a young woman with him that he is, like, trying to care for, but is, like, dying. Mm -hmm. And he decides he has to set out to try and find help, and then you see a winter storm approaching. And it's just basically a survival film. Yeah, uh, we went a little too far without telling you, you know, Mads Mikkelsen isn't the most popular actor. He played Le Chiffre in Casino Royale. He was Hannibal in the NBC series. Any other big roles you can can spout off real quick? Uh, No, I don't have anything. Um, You probably recognize him from that. But this looks like a movie that I want to watch once, like um, that Everest movie, where Mm -hmm. it looks like it'll be good and tense and just really make you feel cold. And then it's going to be sad and you're just never going to want to see something like this again. Yeah. But I think um, it looks good. I think it looks really good. Um, And I'm... I typically am not like the biggest fan of survival movies, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like Everest, I did not like Everest at all. Um, but this, this I can get on board with. And like The Gray with Liam Neeson, I don't really like that movie. Um, yeah. This feels a little bit less like, I don't know, not necessarily grim, but like. Um, Very minimalistic, not too yes. many massive action yes. set pieces. That's, just Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So all like about that. Everest and the other one you mentioned, there there were big, you know, falling <laughs> avalanches, explosions, whatever. This yeah. is just him against the wild. I think in the gray, he fights, he fist fights a wolf with bottle, <laughs> with a broken bottle in his in his wrist. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh God, what a movie. Uh, so that's it for uh, trailers this week. Uh, so now we have what you watching? The return after I don't know, probably a month or so without it. Uh, what have you been watching, Andy? Um, I'll start with. TV. I finished Billions on Showtime, which has been on my list for a while. Have you watched this ever at all? No, I have not. Stars Paul, stars Paul Giamatti and Damian Lewis. Paul Giamatti, you know, Damian Lewis was the guy from season one and I think maybe two of Homeland, and he also was in Band of Brothers. Um, Damian Lewis is a billionaire who trades, and Paul Giamatti is like the district attorney trying to take him down because he knows he's corrupt, and just those two going head-to-head, and really smart show, um, Malin Ackerman's in it as well, and it was really good, and I'm really excited for the next season. I give it a B plus, and I really wow. recommend it if you're looking for something smart to watch that isn't super out of, you know, out of this world. Wow. Yeah. You should give it a watch, man. Uh... Come on. <laughs> You watching? Uh, you watching any TV? Uh, yeah, I've watched. Uh, I watched one TV series sort of over that uh, the holidays here called Bodyguard. Oh, uh, with uh, on... Rob Stark, right? Yes, with Rob Stark. Yeah. R- Richard Madden is his name, which is mm-hmm. a hilarious name for him to have. I think won a Golden Globe. He did win a Golden Globe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so hats off to Rob, uh, the former King of the North, and um, spoilers. Spoilers, I guess. Uh, <laughs> If you haven't watched Get Out, Thrones, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, you're you're running out of time, anyways. Um, Bodyguard uh, is a Netflix series originally from on the BBC uh, network. 
it's about basically a, a, a former vet um, who gets a job as the bodyguard or head, like sort of secret service agent for the that the head of like uh, the secretary of home or something like that, mm. which is basically just like homeland security in Britain. And uh, basically, it's about him sort of struggling and grappling with the secretary's sort of politics and what she views as like threats and like there's sort of like this whole kind of you know like invasion of privacy like patriarch kind of thing that they're trying to force um against like and try like counterterrorism kind of stuff and um it doesn't lean too heavily into that but then you sort of it gets into like this political thriller realm uh where like there might be something else going on they might be trying to like overthrow the prime minister all this kind of stuff um it's very entertaining. It's not like out of this world prestige good or anything. Yeah. But like I killed it in twenty four hours because like it was super entertaining and he's so good in it, as is the, the, the secretary. Um couple twists and turns that I wasn't fully expecting. I had me guessing a lot throughout the series. Um it has like two extremely tense moments that like are were pretty unparalleled with the rest of TV that I watched this year. Uh, I give it a B plus. Can you Highly compare it to anything? And did you say it was a mini series or is there going to be another season? It's a, it's a mini series. It's only okay. six episodes as well. Have you ever seen Homeland? Is it like Homeland? Is it like, uh, kind of like, like Homeland, Amer- but okay. not, not like super like it. Um, I've been watching Luther, uh, season five. He's back. Idris Elba is a, um, you know, a, a, a cop with his own brand of justice. Uh, he does things differently. Uh, it's a BBC show. Um, stars a lot of actual people from Game of Thrones. Ygritte from Game of Thrones is in it. Uh, a couple other actors. And it, it really is him taking down really very unnatural killers. Like one guy, this, there's one episode where a guy is literally killing kind of like he would in GTA, where the more wacky kills and things that he does or ways he kills people, he gives... He's competing with somebody in a points system. Um, there's an, one person who literally hides under people's beds and be, pretends to be the boogeyman to kill people. It's a really interesting show, and season five is really, really good so far. Uh, really good cop thriller. And uh, Idris Elba, always a badass. I'd probably give it a B, B plus, and highly recommended show if you can find a way to watch it. I think some earlier episodes are on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, um, I I didn't know like there was like like interesting weird killers like. Oh, that. it's like really it. weird killers. It's not it's not just like somebody's robbing banks, somebody's yeah. killing people. It's killers with like weird fetishes and stuff. Nice, I might check it out. I like that. Yeah, it's it's I messed it. up. Um, we both watched Bandersnatch. Do you want to talk about it without too many spoilers? Just how yeah. our experience was. This is the Black Mirror episode that is choose your own adventure. So things like they start you off with what cereal do you want in the morning and go from there. Most difficult question i think it was tough to find the whole thing <laughs> i actually don't know if it had a effect I'm it did you it did. are you i think you hear a commercial for whatever cereal you choose later oh, well, okay no more spoilers um, than that uh what's it about though so it is about uh this kid named stefan who uh <clears throat> is sort of like a, a video game developer slash designer who wants to create this game this choose your own adventure game meta as hell uh based on the book which was an actual book bandersnatch um and basically he gets a meeting with this video game company presents it to him and then you sort of are set off with you know trying to get this game to you know completion and sort of like how difficult it is for him as well as the guy who wrote the book called bandersnatch killed his wife beheaded his wife so it's kind of a tragic story you're presented with things like, do you accept the job or do you, do you say no? You're confronted with things like, 
just just A B scenarios, and mm-hmm. there are certain paths that you take that you kind of end the story, and you kind of have to go back. Um, it was definitely interesting, and I, I had fun. But after an hour, I started to get a little impatient. What about you? I did not have fun at all. <laughs> I watched um, it with uh, some of my family members, and we all took turns kind of choosing. So that was kind of fun. It was kind of interactive. Yeah, nice, nice. I imagine it'd be different. I'm assuming you watched it alone. Did you watch it with yeah. any friends or anything? No, I, I watched it alone. Um, yeah, I can imagine it could be a little bit more fun, you know, kind of debating different tracks. But it, it certainly starts out fun. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was just because it's such a unique experience. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, but the story itself... I think is the problem. It's not the choose your own adventure aspect um, that really like let me down. Ultimately, it was just sort of the story. The, yeah. It was just such um the thing. The thing with the story is it's so meta. Yeah. That like, it's it's just annoying. Like it's not an interesting story. It's not telling you anything more other than like if it it might be trying to convince you that us in real life have no meaning at all like that would be the only thing but like that doesn't feel like what it was it was just like telling like making you feel like you have control over the story and like this character is at your own is that like at your will yeah and like you get to have fun making them bend at your will but like it's not fun doing that so and i didn't care about any of the characters really i not think maybe if they took something that like a character that we know like they, they have a tv show and they do an episode that's choose your own. You know, you care about the people. You kind of put yourself in them shoes. Maybe this is what you think they'd choose. But just the character was just a shell. And yeah. I didn't care. And I was just clicking stuff that I thought either would be funny or cool to watch. Um, it did. They did do some unique things. And it's definitely, you know, props to them for trying something new. But not off to a good start with the choose your own adventure TV Netflix series. Yeah, no, not at all. I could see it, like, you know, like you just said. If it's a better story, if it's a different story, we're, like, a little bit more connected to the characters, um, it could certainly be much more interesting, but it just, it let me down. I, and at a certain point, for me, it was just, like, I was just, like, it was, like, work for me. Yeah. Because I was just, like, does it get better if I do something else or if I did something else and it just didn't? I was just, like, oh, my God, come on. Yeah, some of the edits weren't seamless when you choose something mm-hmm. you could tell well but it's loading up video file a or it's yeah. loading up video file b um yeah what, what would you rate it um you know we've rated black mirror episodes before it, what would you rate this uh d plus i'd give it a c minus just because it tried something new if this was an episode of black mirror it might have been a d d minus like uh-huh. potentially leading towards f territory but it's kind of fun fun with other people interesting concept so below average um, I saw, I watched a lot of movies, so I'm going to run through some of these here quick. Yep. Um, I saw If Beale Street Could Talk, which is Barry Jenkins' follow-up to Moonlight. Uh, this is based on a James Baldwin novel. Um, stars, uh, <sighs> Regina King in a supporting role, uh, basically like a newcomer in the main, uh, female role. And then, um, Stephen James, who was in the Amazon series Homecoming, uh, basically as a guy that is falsely accused of rape and sent to jail, basically in 1970s Harlem, um, and it's about his girlfriend who's 19, who just found out she's pregnant, trying to sort of exonerate him and get him off, um, because they, they know that he's innocent, uh, he has like an airtight alibi, but it's just kind of about race relations at that time, as well as just kind of like about the power of love and all that kind of stuff, um, I gave it a B plus. I was extremely excited to see it. It's I, an Oscar like, front runner, right? Y- yeah, it's it's up there for Oscars. Um, 
I thought I I had a feeling it might turn to be like one of my favorite movies of the year, if not my favorite. I think it falls a little bit short of that. I it it, it literally feels like a book. There's like mm. narr- narration, like the way that the narrator works is it just feels very literary. Is the and narrator that's necessar- Morgan Freeman? <laughs> it's not necessarily – well, no, it's one of the characters. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. It just kind of – I don't know. Um, everything technical about it is great. It's like one of the most beautiful movies I've seen in the past few years. The score is incredible. If the score does not win the Oscar, I will actually riot in the streets. It'll just be me rioting, but like it's so good. Um the 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 romance is is pretty interesting. There's a couple really tense scenes. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry, who's in Widows and Atlanta, has probably one of the best scenes of the year. Like this is really raw, emotional kind of scene. It's the only scene that he's in. Um, Dave Franco, pretty good in this one cameo. Wherein he's like he's like a Jewish landlord, and I don't know, it's weird. Um, but it, it's a for as kind of heavy as the material is, it's it's very optimistic. Um, and so I don't know. I, I respected that, and technically it's just gorgeous. So B plus. Um, nice. I'd definitely be watching it as we get closer to Oscar season. Yeah, uh, I saw the Mule, which is Clint Eastwood's latest movie about a ninety-year-old drug runner. Um, this is like Clint Eastwood transitioning into his horny grandpa phase. Ooh. And I thought this movie was gonna be way more serious than it was, and it was not <laughs> as serious as I was expecting it to be. It's not like a raunchy comedy or Wasn't anything. It but directed like, by Bradley Cooper. No, it's directed by Clint Eastwood. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Um, Bradley Cooper's in it though, right? Yeah, Bradley okay. Cooper's in yeah. it as like a, a DEA agent. Um, it's okay. It's entertaining. I wish that he like did it as serious as he did, you know, Gran Torino or American Sniper or something like that. But it's just not as serious, and like it's still fun, and the comedy actually works pretty Wait, well. So but is just... he actually a horny grandpa in this movie? Yeah, there's like a couple scenes where I'm like, whoa, awesome. what's going on? Hype going level on, of rising. Weirdo. <laughs> yeah, uh, I give it a C plus. It's entertaining. Stream it. Um, whatever. Uh, I watched American Animals, which is about like these these college kids that this is a true story about these college kids that wanted to steal these like extremely original rare books from their like college library, and it's sort of like this weird mix of documentary and actual like fictional narrative like dramatization starring uh like the 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 weird kid from uh killing of a sacred deer and um dunkirk evan peters who's an american horror story uh blake jenner who's in like everybody wants some and 17 um so a lot of like good young actors it's a really interesting sort of story i don't quite know if they succeed in saying what they're trying to say uh because these kids like weren't like there was no motivation for it other than like they were rich white kids that thought that they could get away with it um i gave it a c plus again another entertaining movie but did you nothing. say it was streaming uh no it, it is streaming you have to pay for it though yeah i think movie pass was behind this movie i remember seeing a yes, lot of it was yes yeah they're trying their hands at funding movies and remember they they certainly let you see this movie for free but not all the other ones that's why we canceled yeah um this does have a really high uh rotten tomato score though oh wow. um then uh, the cleanse is some like shitty B movie oh, yeah. like, horror. I, yeah, it was like a weird creature movie with the dude from Big Bang Theory that was also in yeah. Christmas Vacation. Yeah, uh, like yeah, a little alien frog is in it or something. Yeah, it stars like Johnny Galecki. He goes to this like sort of like retreat that is like supposed to cleanse you. You go on like a, some weird like juice cleanse kind of thing in like the backwoods. Um, was it a comedy? 
run it. It's weird. I don't know, man. And basically the entire thing is like a metaphor for how like you have shitty aspects of yourself and you're supposed to like kill them off, but you're like, don't want to because like, it's a part of you It's fucking stupid. And it's oh. just like heavy handed. I give it a D. It's one of my least favorite movies I've watched Ooh, this year. Damn. Um, I'll be skipping it. Yeah. Um, God, uh, mid nineties, Jonah Hill's directorial debut from a 24, basically just about a coming of age story about skater kids in the nineties. Uh, Really good, really entertaining. Honestly, it's the typical coming age movie where like not a lot happens, but like it's just fun to like kind of hang out with these characters. Gave it an A minus. Um, First Reformed, another A twenty four movie. Ethan Hawke is a pastor who has like a parishioner come to him that is like wants to get his child aborted because he doesn't want to bring a kid in the world because he's scared about the environment and he's like planning on doing like some sort of uh, environmental terrorist attack. Then Ethan Hawke, like, struggles with that, grapples with it. Uh, ex- extremely good. One of my favorite movies of the year, hands down. Ethan Hawke kills it. He should get it nominated for an Oscar. Maybe not win it, but definitely nominated. Uh, A-. minus. Only three more here. Uh, I watched Paddington 2. Paddington, our favorite cute little bear that we shit on for so many episodes. And then we watched Paddington, and we we're like, yep. this movie's good. And oh, yeah. uh, how, was, how was the sequel? The squeakle. Uh, it is just as good as the first one, um, if not better. It is so good, just so heartwarming. And he, Paddington goes to jail in this movie, and oh it's God, so spoilers. it's still still so upbeat and just like perfect. Hugh Grant is absolutely phenomenal. Oh, I hate Hugh Grant. Oh, He's God. so funny Ugh, and so good. Sick. Uh, I gave it an A, teetering on an A plus. At one point, one we were gonna do year. a podcast bet that somebody had to watch Paddington too, and then we're like, wait, no, it's supposed to be good. Yeah. Uh, then I watched Mandy, uh, which is Nicolas Cage's latest movie, basically where he goes on like a revenge streak against a cult that murders his girlfriend. Uh, there's like weird, like gremlin demon people in this. There's weird, like heroin juice. It's, it's like just drenched in, you know, neon colors, uh, kind of like a psychedelic score. Uh, I really wanted to like it. I just mm. didn't. I gave it a C. Just a not as entertaining as I was expecting. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is The Favorite, which is another Oscar frontrunner from Yorgos Lanthimos, who made The Lobster and Killing of Sacred oh, Deer. Oh, God. Um, this is, like, basically just a comedy set in, like, the early 1800s, um, maybe mid-1800s, about uh, a queen and, like, her servants and this weird sort of, like, power triangle that's going between her and Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz. Um, it's pretty funny. Nicholas Holt has an absolutely hilarious performance in it. Uh, and like everyone else's, uh, the three female leads are pretty good, but like, he's really funny. Um, did you see it in the theater? I saw it in the theater. Yes. Uh, I give it a B. AMC a list coming through. Hell yeah. Um, you do have one more movie to talk about. Let's talk about bird box. Oh yes. The meme King right now. Yeah. Bird box memes are hot. Um, we got, Sandra Bullock in a role that is essentially a quiet place, but with your eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Mm-hmm. What did you think? That was fine. Yeah, know. it was average. It, I thought it, there yeah. were some great shots. It was well-directed, but the script was pretty bad. The characters unlikable. Very few redeeming moments yes. for the characters. Yes. And it is what The Happening should have been. That horrible <laughs> movie by... God, Shyamalan and starring Mark Wahlberg. Nobody cares about the bees. Um, essentially, you see something and die, and you want to kill yourself. Um, mm-hmm. But it was it was okay. 
Yeah, it is. It's like it was... one of the most watched movies and hypest movies on Netflix right now, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it, killing they said, it. They said that uh, apparently like a third of their subscribers have watched it, which I don't know if I believe that. It's just but... all autoplays, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's entertaining if you want to throw it on. Know what all the hype's about on, on the on the Twitterverse. Go for uh, it. I, I gave watched, it a C. Yeah, I gave it a C plus just because it was well shot, well directed, just a uh, bad script and uh, interesting idea, but kind of been done before mm-hmm. and just a quiet place junior, a quiet place, much better movie. Yeah. Um, I watched bad times at El Royale. You've talked about this before. We were really hyped about this same director and writer, mm-hmm. I believe of cabin in the woods and kind of was just a disappointment. It goes yeah. in a couple different directions that you weren't expecting kind of drags on a little bit pacing issues, but still a fun watch. You know, Chris Hemsworth gets his shirt off for half the movie. So that's always a good thing. Um, and then, uh, I know you want to talk about my current oh, thoughts yes, about the good place, which I believe is on NBC Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, Ted Danson, Kristen Bell, um, kind of about heaven and hell type situation. And uh, let me just say, if I have to hear another fork and cuss word, um, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, the, the story's going in a different direction that is helping me enjoy the show more, but I think the show thinks it's a lot clever than it thinks it is. Thinks it's more clever than it thinks it is, but it is starting, in my opinion, to get better. You're a big fanboy about the show, huh? Yeah, it's outstanding. It's one of the smartest shows on TV. I don't think it's that smart. How, how? Were you expecting any of that? No. Yes, yes kind exactly. of. But just some of the kitschy dialogue and the way that they say they can't cuss sometimes. and It's, it's, just, it's an NBC. It's a cable network show. They say so. what the fork and kind of look at the camera. They're like, get it? We can't cuss. Um, I don't know. It's getting better. I'm in the middle of season two. Or actually okay. about to finish season two. And I, I am enjoying it more. Okay. All right. It's All no right. Brooklyn Nine Nine. You were you were on point no, on that one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so that's what we've been watching. Um, if I could recommend a TV show, I guess it'd be Luther. If I could recommend a movie, I don't have any to recommend. If you could recommend a TV show, it'd be Bodyguard. Yes, Bodyguard for on sure. On Netflix. Yep. And then if you could recommend a movie, it'd be First Reformed. Yep, First Reformed and Paddington Two. <laughs> and mid nineties. Yes, and mid nineties. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's it for what you're watching. Time to talk about uh, Vice. So we'll start with a non-spoiler review. Um, basically, Aquaman is still reigning king at the box office. It's going to make a billion dollars worldwide. Uh, Vice is slotted in at number seven now. Uh, it has only made uh, about $30 million overall um, domestic in its second weekend. So, you know, not terrible for sort of a small not a small budget, but like a, a kind of Oscar player. Um, it is about Dick Cheney, the former vice president, yes, uh, Christian is. Bale, Amy Adams, Sam Rockwell, Steve Carell, 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, averaging a 6.7, 54% audience score. Vice takes scattershot aim at its targets, but writer-director Adam McKay hits some satisfi- satisfying bull's eyes, and Christian Bale's transformation is a sight to behold, Directed by Adam McKay, who made um, uh, the big short. Why can't I think of it? Yes, the big short, uh, which was a, a big time Oscar player um, a few years ago. Um, he also directed a lot of the funniest movies, you know, of all time with Ricky Bobby and Talladega or and Anchorman and Step Brothers and all that did fun he? stuff and all the other guys. Um, what did you uh, What did you think about Vice? You know, uh, I think both you and I are pretty hyped. We saw Christian Bale fat again, and uh, mm-hmm. we were we were excited. We loved the Big Short, and uh, I don't. Sometimes I say it was the hype that disappointed me, but I think just 
a lot more than just the hype disappointed me here. Um, you know, it was, we grew up with this. I grew up with this more than you did, the story, and I still didn't uh-huh. really know it all. I was still pretty young. So a lot of my enjoyment came from learning more about this situation and this election and what was going on behind the scenes with a big grain of salt that this is very liberal and agenda-pushing movie, and you got to kind of see how much of this is true, how much of it is, is uh, you know, dramatized. Um, but I was pretty disappointed with it, but slightly entertained, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I kind of get it. Um, yeah, I was I was certainly very interested in it, especially, like, I loved the big short so much. Yeah. Um, especially because it was, it was very helpful in learning about this sort of this time period that I wasn't, like, fully understanding of. Um, and it's helped a lot that way. And so just like you, I would like to know more about what was going on during like the Bush administration and the whole Iraq war and stuff, because I don't really know very much. And I feel like a lot of people don't know about, you know, sort of like the back dealings and all that kind of stuff. Um, even if they were, you know, 40 years old when it was going on. Right. Um, like you said, Adam McKay, extreme liberal, very much so. Um, (laughs) which is why I found this movie kind of weird. Because yeah. I don't think that it it wasn't as, you know, politically leaning as I was expecting it to be, as, like, politically forward as I was expecting it to be. It wasn't, like, super condemning of everything or everyone that you would sort of expect. And I think that's kind of good, but I also think that it didn't take a hard enough stance on what it was trying. It didn't – I don't think it knew what it was trying to say. I think we're supposed to think that Dick Cheney is, like, an evil, bad person, but they don't – really fully lean into it and they also don't really fully get at um you know like uh, like why the things that he's doing are so bad other than random scattershot montages of you know offshoot things that happen because of his rejection of policies or pushing of other policies yeah there's multiple scenes i guess you could call them where you kind of see the effects of what he did during his time there (laughs) and a lot of it's numbers based x amount of people died from this x amount of stock you know changes plus or minus happened because of this um but i never got the sense that you know the only they don't they don't give him a reason to be evil they don't tell me why he's evil Mm -hmm. Um, i think the biggest reason that i took away from it it was just protect the united states at any cost uh you know um but i didn't understand like why did he want all this power there wasn't anything that happened in his youth or his father or why was he so power hungry what like, I get it. I get a lot of the thing. I, I see what he did and why it was evil, but why did he do it? I never got a sense of that. You, either did I. And that's the biggest problem with this movie is, okay, so in biopics, you don't have to, you know, it's a biopic for a reason. We're trying to learn about this person. You know, it's almost, you he can was, hardly call this a biopic, though. Yeah. Like, a lot of it is yeah. dramatized. Dramatized. He, 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 was, he was obviously, like, a very reserved person. Didn't share, like, a lot about, his, about, about himself or, like, why he did certain things. So I understand it could be a little bit more difficult there. But, like, they, they spend, you know, random flashbacks as well as, like, the beginning of the movie about him as, like, a younger person. And it doesn't do anything for our understanding of him other than, like, okay, he used to be a shithead. And then he got it together when he landed this internship, and that's it. That's that's a common American story that yes. happens to everybody. <laughs> they don't they don't give a reason for why he was like that. They don't give a reason for why he turned, other than he 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 learned it from Donald Rumsfeld. 
Yeah. Like they don't they don't they don't give any reason. Literally, there is one moment in this, and this isn't like a big spoiler or anything. There's one moment in this where it's another intern comes up to him and he's like, "Hey, uh, I want to work with the Democratic candidate. Blah blah blah. Is that cool with you?" And he goes, "I well." I want to work with what is what is uh, Rumsfeld because they just heard him talk and he's like oh well he's a Republican and he's like okay that's what I am yeah and it was like did he really not have any beliefs or understanding of did he anything make it up on the spot us? are we telling are, is is he trying to tell us that that moment defined him and it, his tenure and then and then we sort of watch him work for Rumsfeld and it's not it's like he's just he's just seen what he's doing but he doesn't gain any reasoning for what he's doing other than I'm just trying to create chaos. Which, there's no way that's actually what it was. No, and half the movie started because his wife was going to leave him because he was a drunk alcoholic, and he was just like, I won't let you down. Mm-hmm. I'll get a good job. But why did he turn so evil? And it would have been nice if they also did a little bit more backstory or characterization of Amy Adams' character as well, Lynn Cheney, his mm-hmm. wife, because they kind of make it start out like, yeah, she's the one kicking him in his ass to do something, but they don't really give any of her politics behind it, except for, like, there's one moment where she goes to talk for him when he couldn't speak at, like, an event. And they sort of play into her saying stuff, but you can't tell if she's just spouting rhetoric because that's what she thinks is going to work or if that's what she actually believes. And they just this is just a reflection of the entire movie. They don't show you what these people actually believe in or why they're doing this other than, oh, they're just bad people or something or moral people yeah on that side i think we're aligned uh, we, we just needed more of a reason why they were doing what they were doing but i did think it was funny um you know bale was terrific rockwell was great but underutilized amy adams was fine you know it was weirdly cut kind of jarring flashbacks and fourth wall breaks like deadpool style fourth wall breaks but i mean i was entertained i was just confused and disappointed kind of uh by the end of it i mean were you it's did you have fun watching it? Were you no, entertained? No, not at all, because the, the tone was split constantly. It was all over. It was, it was jumping from, basically when it was when it was Christian Bale, it was a serious dramatization of what happened. When it was Steve Carell on screen or Sam Rockwell on screen, it was a straightforward comedy. Yep. And it was like they were on SNL playing, you know, characterizations of these people. Yes, yeah, Christian Carell Bale was brick from Anchorman basically. Yeah. yeah. But it's, Christian Bale was a very serious character and he was great. He was outstanding. He was terrific. Yes. But they, it was like they took them from two different movies. It was like Adam McKay was like I'm going to make a serious movie about Dick Cheney and then I'm going to make a goofball screwball comedy about the absurdity of what these people act like and what their policies are. And I think it would have been way better if he just did it straightforward comedy as yep. a reflection of like what he thinks about how ridiculous some of these stances are that they have. But instead, it's a mixture and it just doesn't work. And so like there's there's a freeze frame at one point where like uh, Christian Bale says something like very serious, like trying to like lead Sam Rockwell's George Bush to like give him the vice presidency or whatever, or give him what he wants in the vice presidency. And Sam Rockwell's eating chicken wings and like freeze phrases on, on him like ripping skin off of like a wing with a dumb look on his face. And it was like, I didn't find it funny. I was like, this is just a stupid, weird freeze frame. Yeah, there's that's... literal record scratches in this movie where yes. something's happening and it goes. <laughs> The tone was just all over the place, man. Um, it, it was it was kind of preachy. It was kind of mm-hmm. like, look what you dumb Republicans did. Um, and I think that's a reason it is getting these middling reviews because it probably offended a lot of people. I think, 
I think the biggest thing is the fact that, like I said before, I didn't feel like it, it picked a, a stance and stuck with it. It is, did I pick think, stances, but it just kept going back and forth kind of. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think it wasn't as left-leaning as a lot of liberals probably would have liked it to be, and it was just attacking enough that a lot of right-wing people didn't uh, like will it. Will be offended, yes, yes. Yeah, correct. and so, like, where's this middle ground of your audience that's going to want this movie or like this movie in any way? Because it's not funny. If it was a straightforward comedy, they would have hooked me. It would have been a lot better, but it wasn't, and... And it wasn't a serious biopic, that's yeah. for sure. Um, let's, I guess, get into spoilers because there's not too much more. Yeah. There's a couple more things that I want to talk about that kind of are surprises in the film and, and are entertaining. But do you have a, a summary and a grade for me? Because I do. Um, I have a grade. I'll think of a summary while you go. Okay. In theory, Vice had everything it needed to hit it out of the park. Christian Bale losing and or gaining weight for the role. A great cast, a good story to tell, and a great director. Somewhere along the way, the chaotic editing, the strange meta-narrative, and weirdly darkly comedic tone, the movie just kind of loses its focus and can't decide what message it's trying to deliver. I did enjoy it as a like funny because it's likely kind of true history lesson, but ultimately I got kind of tired of being preached to by the final act, and I mean, I give it a C- minus just because it was kind of funny, and I learned a little bit, but I was pretty disappointed, and it's a below-average biopic. Yeah, um, Vice is just a straight-up confused movie that I think maybe got scared of committing fully to what it wanted to do, um, as well as had a couple confused performances. The performances were good, but they were confused. It was just taking, drawing from two different movies and slamming it together. Um, It's almost like a movie that I talked about before, American Annals, where it almost felt like it was like documentary-style Except it was like supposed to be a biopic and a screwball comedy as well, and that just doesn't work, especially in sort of the world that we're living in right now, where things are so politically charged. You need to, you can't really just sit in the middle. There's no middle nowadays. And so, like, you need to say something, and don't just like go full throttle when you're saying something. Don't just sit back and just like kind of tease your audience with it. And you know, he was holding back on hand holding for some stuff, but you know, some of this needed hand holding for the audience to understand it because. As it says in the beginning, no one really understands a lot of what happened or why it happened. So if you're going to make a movie about it, you damn sure better be able to explain at least a little bit. Um, my my number one thing here is uh, Dick Cheney, more like Thick Cheney. There you um, go. I give this a D. I was really let down, and I just did not enjoy it. Do you it. think you were overhyped, or do you really think that you went in this with realistic expectations and were just disappointed? D for disappointed. Yeah, D for disappointed. I went in, I went in with realistic expectations. I wasn't supercharged, super hyped at all. Um, and I just, God, I just did not like it at all. All right. Well, we're going to go into non, I'm sorry. We're going to go into spoilers. spoilers yeah. um, a lot of you might know what happens here, but a lot of you might not. But there's just some fun kind of story punches that we don't want to spoil. So uh, if you want to avoid that, skip because we will be discussing non-spoilers for Bumblebee as well soon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, all right, so spoilers for Vice starts now. The only spoiler that I really care about talking about <laughs> okay. is the fake out uh, mid movie end credits. Scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that didn't get funny. me. It didn't get me, but no, I, I liked what they were doing. Yeah. Um, people, yeah, my audience was cracking up when yeah. they uh, kind of cut and say Dick Cheney never went into politics. They retired. They bred golden retrievers. And it starts panning out in the credits, and then we get to hear a, rec- a record scratch. Yeah. <laughs> You might be wondering how I got here. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I thought I thought that was kind of funny. Um, that was before like everything got kind of like mishmashy. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I respected that. What do you think about the Jesse Plemons narration? Is he a good narrator? I did not think so. I thought he was a fine narrator, but again, it was just like weird. Like it didn't work with the movie. Yeah. Um, I thought every single heart attack scene was really good. Um, yes. And they like, got increasingly funny each oh, yeah. time. Yeah. First time was just like, I don't know what's going on. Or he fell and just goes, I'm having a heart mm-hmm. attack, you idiot. But by the third one, he's like, all right, we might win. We might not. Oh. Hey gang, uh, I think I'm having a heart attack. Yeah, I think it's I need so to go good. To the hospital. Like he just was like, "Well, another heart attack. Let's go." Mm-hmm. Um, I thought his daughter's coming out moment was probably the best moment in the movie. Yeah, it was. Like, a, it was a very sort of tender moment, and it was again, it was like the sort of moment where I think it's trying to make you empathize with him at least a little bit. Right. And I'm like, okay, I gotta empathize with the villain a little bit. Makes him a yeah. good villain, but I just yeah. couldn't tell. Am I supposed to hate him or empathize with him? Again, yeah, and I think. Oh, I might be coming on to something here. Um, I think maybe maybe the point was, like, all he cared about was just, like, getting power. And, like, obviously at a certain point he doesn't, you know, like, he never comes out against whatever gay marriage, I think, himself. But he makes his other daughter do it when she runs for office. And so it's like, he won't, like, compromise himself, but he'll compromise anyone else that he yeah. wants to get whatever he wants. Um so I don't know, but but yeah, no, that was a very tender moment, and Amy Adams was really good in that too. How who like kind of continued looking on, disappointed, and like kind of just disgusted. She, she goes, "This is going to be really hard for you." And yeah. was she talking to her daughter or oh, Shaney or Dick? Yeah, definitely, definitely Dick, definitely Dick. Um, how long did Dick Shaney swish that mouthwash for in the bathroom? Because that was unnerving. Too long. Too long. And then he spits it like goes over his fat belly. <laughs> I thought, first off, I thought it was, like, whiskey for a second. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> interesting. All right. Um, and then I kind of, like, realized, like, oh, no, it can't be whiskey. But, yeah, no, that was, <laughs> that was certainly way too long to swish mouthwash for. I was like, well, back to thinking he's weird and hating him. Did you like the uh, the weird Shakespearean moment that they did? I, it was good for, like, ten seconds. I was like, why are they talking? Oh, I get what they're doing. Okay. Went on way too long. Yeah, it went on too long. Yeah. yeah. They, like, like a- did a whole sonnet, whole poem. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I feel like they only put the chain, the Shaney like hunting accident in there because they had to. It was very brief. I thought it'd be a better funny part of the movie, but they barely touched on it. Yeah, like that's what a lot of people remember Shaney for is that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Footnote. Yeah, um, that and Halliburton, which is yeah. the company that he was the CEO of, is kind of like only mentioned a couple times. And Not they don't really nearly enough around the oil industry, his ties to CEO, the fact that he was going for that one percent, and like that's what he stood for. They barely mention the oil fields in Iraq and barely go back to it, mm-hmm. except in the post-credits uh, yeah, kind of summary. They show like a they show like a goddamn map of mm-hmm. like where oil companies could potentially like you know plot or you know drill, and like that's the extent of what they explain about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't have too many more notes except for the end. You know, he pulls a, a Frank Underwood and uh, talks to the camera, breaks the fourth wall, and I thought that was an okay way of summarizing like I'm a bad guy but I did it for you I did it to protect America at any cost and then you get the numbers of how many people died in the Iraq war how many people died in 9-11 how many people you know it was just a largely irresponsible response to 9-11 I I guess was the message yeah I don't know they're like trying to go for this poignant moment and I just again just because of everything that came before it didn't really hit as much because I think probably just Face palmed it. Yeah, he was like, "Okay, we get it," and like, it was bad. Say something more. Did you stay for the mid credits? Nah, I got the fuck out of there. Did you hear what it was? 
Uh, yeah, it was like a it was focus that same group. test group, focus group or whatever. Um, I think they were talking about the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were. Yeah. They were talking about the movie, and it's like two diametrically opposed people on the political scale, kind of arguing about it. And then some other woman goes like, "I just am excited to watch Fast and Furious or something like that." Yet another America, you so stupid. Hella, moment from yeah, Adam hella McKay. pretentious thing yeah. to do. Yeah, it was like, yeah, make a better movie, Adam McKay, and then you can be pretentious to me. Yeah, definitely uh, was tired of being spoken down to and preached to. I, I appreciated being spoken down to in The Big Short because there are concepts that I had mm-hmm. trouble understanding and that helped. But in this movie. They didn't speak down to me in the right reasons. Like, speak down to me more about Halliburton and the oil companies and, like, what that process looked like. Not about how, if I'm a Republican and I'm I'm an idiot and this is all my fault. Yeah. Yes, that's a great great way to put it. It's like, explain why it might have been wrong on their end, not why I'm a fucking idiot for maybe (laughs) believing in them because they postured it the right way. Yeah. It's like, you show the focus groups where these marketing geniuses change everything so the public will respond better to it. Yeah. Is like, like that's we were, why Republicans were duped. I yeah. mean, they it's not like the Republicans voted to have the solar panels on the White House removed. Like that yeah. was part of his one percent move that he made up weird loopholes in the laws to do. Like, I don't know, like we're Democrats through and through, I think, over here, but even even by the end I was just tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. Anna McKay piss off man do better let's talk about bumblebee 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 tuna bumblebee Bumblebee. so this is a uh, prequel spinoff of the transformers franchise so here's the thing um i believe it was supposed to be a prequel but i think during the editing floor people were like wow this is really good this could be a good landing spot for a reboot because there are things in this movie that both tie into the current transformers universe and also contradict a lot of the, Uh uh, the universe and i hope to God, it's a reboot after what I saw. So Bumblebee uh, has been out for three weeks now. It is at fifth in the box office after this last weekend. It made $12.75 million, um, $97 million overall domestically, so that's pretty good. Um, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, average rating of 7, 79% audience score. Bumblebee proves it's possible to bring fun and a sense of wonder back to a bloated blockbuster franchise and sets up its own slate of sequels in the bargain. This is directed by Travis Knight, who is the uh, president of Leica Studios, which is sort of like an animation studio, mm-hmm. um, and made Kubo and the Two Strings. Stars which Haley I Stein. It was good. Yes. Uh, stars Haley Steinfeld and John Cena. Um, Haley Steinfeld is like this this almost 18-year-old or something uh, that uh, you know lives with her mom and stepdad and younger brother who you know lost her dad and is kind of like an outcast um, and just wants to get her own car and obviously she ends up with Bumblebee and mm-hmm. you know Bumblebee is on the run from Cybertron and the Decepticons supposed to meant to be setting up sort of like a home base on Earth um, and obviously they come after him and that's sort of the whole thing you get the mix of should the humans work with the with these Transformers or not and all that fun stuff what did you uh, What did you think about Bumblebee? Before I start, I'm not sure if you mentioned it. It is set in the 80s. They certainly oh, play yes. that up uh, as well. So before yep. Transformers 1 by Michael Bay. Yep. Um, I actually really liked it. I loved the design of the Transformers. I loved the action sequences. You could tell what was going on instead of just metal robot punching metal robot. I loved the transitions of Transformers from, you know, car to Transformer. And uh, this movie had some heart and wasn't just 
you know, gray black CG messes punching each other with Shia LaBeouf in slow motion and explosions. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. What about you? Um, yeah, I, I think I might've gone in with too high of expectations, mm. uh, but I'm also burnt out on transformers. I like the first we all one. Are. We all um, are. <laughs> I like the first one, but I have not really liked obviously any of the rest of them. And I just don't think I'm the biggest transformers fan as it is anyways. Right. Um, but I certainly had fun with it. I thought it was a very fun movie. Um, it surprised me, like you said, with how much heart that it did have. Um, I don't know if they completely fleshed it out enough or sort of dug deep enough into it, um, but they certainly they, they work well enough on just making Haley Steinfeld be a great human character mm-hmm. um, as well as making Bumblebee sort of be his own thing as we already like know him. Um, my, my oddly enough my biggest problem with the movie was how they make bumblebee kind of like supposed to be like this super uh agile sort of fighter and like kind of intelligent mm-hmm. and then they make him turn into like a puppy dog when he loses his voice and it's like well he lost his memories oh shit yeah about that. <laughs> he had to like relearn his memory bank so he was just like who and what am i yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that we've we've seen this story before. This is a derivative movie. It's hard to not Iron be derivative Giant. when you've had five Transformers movies. And yes, this is Iron Giant mixed with ET. It's fish out of water story. We've seen it, but enough of a spin on it and enough of a relief from the slog of the Michael mm-hmm. Bay movies that it was refreshing and fun. Yeah, the uh, the fight scenes are sweet too. Um, even when it's like all CGI. Yeah, looked great. Looked, looked great because you can a, tell what's going nope. on. Yeah, the opening scene is on Cybertron. Just yeah, we get 10 scene. minutes of CG on Cybertron, which a lot of people are calling for a full movie like that. I'd be down. But it was just, it was legible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, Bumblebee kicks ass when he fights. Yeah, he actually fights using his surroundings instead of, you know, it's not just metal, striking metal. Mm-hmm. It's or metal using bombs metal. constantly and, and just like all yeah. you see is smoke and fire and nothing Expl- else the bigger explosion the buildings falling down like mm-hmm. there are smaller set pieces and smaller fights that are very competent yeah um, it is it's smartly directed probably kind of a spoiler before he loses his voice you know he's going to lose his voice and uses the radio voiced by your boy dylan o'brien mm-hmm. did you know that i did i Maze did that voice boy. did not work for me oh really no i think he was <laughs> He didn't have enough lines for it to work or not, not work for me. Sound too like like a ch- too much like a child. I don't like it. Yeah, I mean he's supposed to be Prime's right hand man, but he's kind of a kid. It seems like so. Yeah. Is he really this elite fighter? <sighs> um, what do you think about John Cena as kind of the laughable '80s villain, like just <clears throat> stereotypical bad guy? John Cena deserves better. <laughs> that like better he, movies, he was, better lines. He was better. A better yeah, better lines. This, like, but I the think that was the point. The script, I, I don't, but that, I don't, ah, they're not making him out to be, you know, some mastermind villain. He's just a generic. Well, he's not. A, uh, but that's the villain. thing is, I wasn't even expecting him to be a big villain at all. I understand, like they, they make him obviously he's going to be the person that probably has a heel turn at some point. Sure. But they just they kind of make him like one note where he just hates these alien robots and that's it and there's America nothing more to guns. it other than other than like you know like you know a couple of, some of his squad gets killed in the beginning but like he's also you know watching it happen and he just doesn't catch on soon enough yeah. as I think like anyone else would and I don't I don't this that kind of bothered me I think just like the villains in general just weren't that great and i wish they gave him a little bit more to do or fleshed him out a little bit more um other than just being you know typical macho military man that is angry 
Yeah, I thought it was okay. I could agree with that. I think the writing was kind of poor on his part, but I think it was kind of on purpose to get after that 80s villain. What do you think about Haley Steinfeld and Bumblebee's relationship? Did you feel like they connected and it was organic and unforced and natural? Like, I thought they connected pretty well, and it's hard to make hunks of metal feel empathetic with, you know, a teenage girl. And I felt more for those two than I ever did any piece of metal with Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I... I, th- I thought it worked, and I think it mainly worked best because of her backstory, like sure. and her father. How like she and like, her performance. Needed, yeah. Yes, she needed sort of like this this friend or this this family member, kind of an that, outcast. Like, yeah, that that cares about her um, as much as she cares about them. Um, and so I, I like that, and I think it worked pretty effectively that way. Um, kind of made them a nice tandem. And it really helps that Bumblebee, you can actually see emotion on these robots now. Like, he has, you know, eyebrows, eyes that shrink and open up, and, his, you know, he's, ears, he's sul- yeah, he's like antenna ears, he sulks when he needs to, mm-hmm. he gets big when he needs to fight, and you could just really feel emotion from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about the rest of the family? So much better than Transformers family. However, still not great, but more toned down then you remember sam wiki's parents by movie mm-hmm. two they were doing mushrooms oh, they, or brownies yeah, or something they were cartoons yeah they were so you know you got the dog that's humping everything there really wasn't anybody in the family or, or in this movie that i was just like hated or like get them off the screen you know mm-hmm. they're okay yeah i i didn't really like the mom all that much um i, I thought the kid actor the younger brother was terrible yeah, he's, he's um the, uh, the dad was hilarious. The from Broad stepdad City, was stepdad. hilarious. From Broad um, City, Fat Aaron yeah, Rodgers. From, from Broad City. <laughs> Fat yes. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he was so good. Um, he has a couple scenes that we'll talk about in spoilers that absolutely slayed me um, that I loved. And um, it, 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 was, it was nice, you know, but it was, again, it was just kind of like cliche, like, oh, family, like, means well but doesn't understand their kid that is yeah, thinking a lot of stereotypes. and sad and whatever. Um, what about her the, friend? Uh, memo memo yeah more like uh, he... unmemorable like what was the point of him <laughs> there was no point of him being in this movie he yeah. i don't know why i like him he's a decent actor he's in love simon i think yeah he's yeah he was that. Mm. um he was in um bigsby bear i believe as well oh yes his uh, buddy he he's he's fine it's just like again there's just like no reason for him to be in this other than like kind of feign a romance which isn't even a romance that has more platonic friendship yeah yeah um Kind of basically like all the high school stuff, I didn't like because there was no reason to it. They could Other cut than... out one scene in particular and we'd be fine. Like they, mm-hmm. they they could have cut out twenty minutes of the high school drama. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because n- it never comes back other than like kind of a couple shenanigans, which is meant to build like the relationship between her and Memo. Except we didn't Nobody need to build cares. it because there's yeah. no give a fuck. It's so. Transformers. We don't care about Memo. <laughs> Sorry, but um, there was there was a line I can't remember what it was, uh, but they do kind of poke fun at how um, uh, it was like a tongue in cheek line about how like we don't really like most fans don't really care about the humans they really only just care about the robots and I can't remember what the line mm. was but when they said it I was like ah nice uh, that's not ringing a bell think about it we'll see if we can talk about it in the spoilers yeah. Um, I, I really think if I didn't have the Bay movies, I'd be less high on this movie. But after years of seeing that trash, I really think that this made it feel really fresh. I saw people comparing it to Wonder Woman and how Wonder Woman might not have been really great if you hadn't seen the trash of the DCEU for years before. You're just like, wow, that was actually good and competent and like a decent movie. Um, I think that really just helped with this one. 
I agree. Um, like I said, obviously, just in general, not the biggest fan of Transformers. Right, um, right, right. But it's certainly, certainly just being juxtaposed against that absolute steaming pile of garbage <laughs> yeah, that at least the last, I don't know, good. three were. So it, it certainly helps to have some a benchmark to go against. I got about 10 or so spoilers to talk about. I think that's it for non-spoilers. Um, you yeah, got a review know. for me, or you want me to, to rattle it off? Always you. All right. Bumblebee has everything the Michael Bay Transformers series didn't. Uh, relatable characters, sensible and legible action, and even little things like an interesting color palette instead of all grays. We've seen this fish-out-of-water story before, but there's definitely some random plot holes. But you'll find yourself giving those a pass as the movie actually has some heart and is such a refreshing watch compared to the dreadful slog of the last few Michael Bay Transformers movies. And I give it a Bumblebee! <laughs> Cringe, baby. This is, gets a B from me. Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> Bumblebee, Bumblebee's, Bumblebee's entertaining change from the titillation and explosion of the previous Michael Bay movies. Um, it's nice to have human characters that we actually care about that aren't just like Mark Wahlberg looking confused running around or Shia LaBeouf, you know. No, 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 no. Yeah, Michael Bay weirdly zooming in on like Megan Fox's sweaty body. Um it's it's a fun movie and i think it's it's perfect for like a saturday afternoon fx tnt hbo watch um doesn't blow you out of the water but it's entertaining enough uh sort of a fun 80s vibe without sort of hammering home that hey we like the 80s mm-hmm. it's fun uh nice family heart behind it um the the actual relationship between the robot transformers and the human character works great and that's why this movie actually works as opposed to just being a stupid dumb action movie where explosions happen uh smartly directed i give it a c plus okay so we're close you think it's slightly above average i think it's above average yeah all right some spoilers if you don't want any spoilers for bumblebee don't listen anymore and next up what do we got what are we Next thinking? Next up, uh, we're doing uh, best and worst of 2018. Ooh, are we to sprinkle in most anticipated as well? Ooh, yes, we can. We can do All that right, as cool. well. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so uh, spoiler time for Bumblebee. Let's roll. What do you got? Best line of the movie, uh, guys. They call themselves Decepticons. Does that raise any red flags to anybody? <laughs> John Cena with the best line in the movie. Yeah, that was yeah. hilarious and poking fun of like, why the hell is the U.S. government trusting Decepticons? <laughs> For God's sake. And also, he hates robot, but it's like, yeah, you're cool to hop on the internet. <laughs> Access anything you want. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they even um, look like fucking crab-faced maniacs they're like yeah, i know does, does this internet work <laughs> we can access the entire world we are here to save you humans uh. Uh, i did like um when the uh when they when they first show up to the military uh in like the desert and like they start talking and she like kind of like gets on her knee or like bows down and he goes the, the other one goes oh you gotta be kidding me because yeah. he like gets down i love that it was just like just quiet enough that it was like oh that's perfect yeah um, yeah um, I, th- I thought it was crazy that those villains, I guess, that the two evil Decepticons were literally t- killing people and turning them into goop. Like the redneck oh, yeah. and the scientists, like no blood or anything, or this would have been... Was this PG or PG-13? PG-13. Probably 13. 13. They kind of got away with this mass murder. Um, <laughs> it was kind of crazy, just turning them into... Just blowing them up into clear goop. Yeah, uh, that scientist just... Just a clear ripoff of like the Independence Day dude, oh, uh, yeah. the scientist in Independence Day, who's just like weirdly obsessed with aliens. Mm-hmm. He annoyed me. Just get yeah. out of here, man. Yeah, yeah. 
Like that, um, the entire everyone outside of Haley Steinfeld and Bumblebee were cliches, and that just annoyed me. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think that's what they're going for. This is an '80s movie, and I, yeah, you're right. They didn't hammer it home too bad. You know, that soundtrack wasn't like, "Hey, remember Duran Duran?" <laughs> yeah. Hey, remember? Like, they did a pretty good soundtrack, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like I'm kind of poking fun at it when when she's like trying to find music that Bumblebee likes, and he just like. Fucking launches the Smiths cassette, <laughs> and also no, it was um, and there was another one too. I don't never gonna the other give one was. you up, Rick oh, yeah, the Rick, yeah. She has crazy reaction skills to be able to duck. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they did a good job with the music. Um, um, I thought it was a hilarious reversal of roles and a kind of poking fun at Michael Bay's oversexualization in women. That there are men's shirts off multiple times in this movie. It was mm-hmm. just kind of funny and kind of just For- like a, a, a role reversal and just was cracking me up. Yeah, it was like, like that's another thing, sort of the tongue-in-cheek kind of stuff, how, like, you know, she makes him take his shirt off, and then it, they lose it, and he has to wear, like, the skimpy, tight sweatshirt <laughs> yeah. around himself. And then the um, next scene is followed by another dude with his shirt off. Yeah. Yeah. For absolutely no reason. Can Which we talk that, about that scene? That scene could have been cut. Stupid. There's, there's such a stupid scene. Stupid. And it was yeah. like, I, like maybe they're just trying to show like her past trauma or her trauma she's still working through from her dad or dying. Or and I, I was expecting like, her to jump, but then they mm-hmm. saved the jump for, in my opinion, the cringiest part of the movie. So stupid. The so worst dumb. part of the movie is she needs to jump into the water to, I guess, save Bumblebee at the bottom of a giant pit with shards of metal, chemicals, broken glass. She would die. And in this moment of overcoming her past, she dives 100 feet down into this disgusting pit to go essentially, like, kiss Bumblebee in the mouth to get him to wake up. Like, what the <laughs> hell was that? Worst part of the movie, bar none. When I, when I realized this, what they were going to do is she was going to do the dive, I, like, just, I laughed. I was like, ha! And the no. fact that she, like, set up for it like it was an Olympic jump <laughs> instead of being like, fuck, I hope I don't die. Yeah, it's like swirling with just like weird hunks of metal as well. Shards like, of, yeah. I would be diving feet first, I'll tell you what. And she does this like perfect Olympic head dive. My goodness. Oh, God, yeah. Um, I wonder if like she wins a gold medal or anything. That'd be I, nice. I, I, I don't know. Um, why did the dad die again? Oh, heart attack. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, let's see here. What else, what else do you have besides getting up to the end here? I don't have too much more except, you know, the action scenes were all great. Um, the first one with Bumblebee at like the side of the mountain was good. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a couple more that I guess weren't super memorable, but but were good. The fight in the dam, good. Using his environment, Bumblebee's like actually using stuff mm-hmm. around him to fight instead of just hunks of metal crashing into each other. Yeah, I like when he puts her in the uh, in the garbage bin, and yeah. then the garbage bin gets knocked over. I like that. That was cool. Mm-hmm. I else? don't. I wasn't the biggest fan of like the whole. Like I said before, I wasn't the fan of the villains. Um, but their their whole plan, how like they need to like charge up a cell tower or whatever, that was stupid. To get the message out that yeah, Bumblebee is setting up base camp for yeah. Even though Optimus. they were like able to like transmit all this shit before. Yeah, I guess it was to get it to the rest of the galaxy. I think I guess, uh, yeah. The the one not. thing I can commend them on in the end is r- having enough reserve to not have Optimus come and save the day, to not have the other uh, Autobots come and save the day. This really uh, they let it be Bumblebee's movie, which I liked. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I was expecting the whole crew to come down and tear shit up, but they didn't do it, and they are saving it and setting up a sequel. 
Yeah. Um, was that that was that was Optimus, right? That he was driving right next to at the very end. Yeah, it, it was the was old style Optimus truck, not the ones with freaking awful flames everywhere. <laughs> like, like just hella intense lights, like a freaking light show going on. I thought that when he turned into a Camaro at the end, she was gonna be like. Oh no no! You're not going anywhere. I'm not letting you yeah. go now. He could stay with her then. There was yeah. like no reason that he wouldn't be able to stay with her. Why did he uh, he leave to go hide and just protect? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. What about the kiss slash non kiss at the end? Was that weird to you, or was it kind of a play on our expectations that yeah, it was a they're going to kiss at the end? It was it was a play on our expectations, yeah. but it was also like, why was everything else that happened before that a thing? Like, yeah, didn't I, they didn't they kiss earlier? She gets him on the cheek, I think. And then he went for the same thing, and she's like, no. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Playing hard to get. I get it. Yeah, whatever. She turned him down pretty hard. Uh, but <laughs> oh, yeah. He got friend zone. He's in he's the friend, in the friend zone, zone, and he's not getting out. I know uh, what my most anticipated relationship is for, for the next movie. I'm really, really invested in, in Mimi or BB or whatever. What's his name? Memo. 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 BB. That would be That would be bad. Yeah, BB. That would be really bad. <laughs> Uh, what else you got? I certainly don't have anything else. <laughs> so we've got sequels incoming. Um, I really think they'll do two more of these set in the 80s, 90s, and they might retcon the whole damn thing, kind of like uh, X-Men First Class style. Maybe, maybe. I don't, I don't know if it's performing well enough. To... I think word of mouth might help it, though. Um, yeah. I think everyone's just burnt out on these terrible films, and that really hurt the performance here, which is a shame because this is a pretty good movie. Someone posited a theory that they released this um, as sort of a stopgap <clears throat> where if it performs really well, awesome, they have a new franchise. If it gets really like good critic scores and everyone's like, oh, this movie's great, then when they reboot like this mainline franchise, people mm-hmm. will be like, oh, we'll give it a chance. We'll give it another chance because Bumblebee was really good. You know, it sucks mm-hmm. it didn't make enough money, but yeah. blah, 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 we'll do this. I don't like. I don't fully believe that, but I could definitely see that being sort of how it works if it doesn't make enough money. Where, so like, go back to modern day and reboot d- it. Yeah, some sort of thing where they go and focus mainly Transformers as opposed to just like strictly Bumblebee. I could see that. I can see them announcing that the next movie is a full-on CG, basically Autobots versus Decepticons only, no mm-hmm. humans. That's what people have wanted from day one. Um, and then people do or give it a chance just because Bumblebee was better. And yeah. the a lot of people who are the big Transformers fans' favorite part of the movie is that first ten minutes, and people are like, "Give me that whole movie." I can see that. Uh, yeah, but uh, that's all I got, man. I was uh, I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised and disappointed with Vice. Yeah, um, yeah. So agreed for this again. A Bumblebee. Oh yeah. Oh god. Why did I make that happen again? Uh, yeah, I gave it a C plus. Um, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with uh, our best and worst 10 of 2018, as well as some uh, movies that we're anticipating for 2019. Be sure to check out glitchup.com for all our favorites, uh, the entire Glitch Up Cruise favorites in movies, TV, and video games, oh, yeah. um, as well as the rest of the week we will be posting our most anticipated uh, in each of those categories for the rest of the year, um, as well as hopefully maybe some more content coming in the next few weeks as well. And guys, uh, we get a kickback <coughs> on Amazon if you go to glitchup.com slash Amazon and place an order. doesn't change anything. It just adds a little cookie to you. Get a tiny, tiny percent kickback, and it helps us fund the site, buy new mics, you know, go see more movies. So glitchup.com slash Amazon. We'll redirect you to Amazon. Just do that before you place your purchases, and it would really help us out. 
Yeah, and you can also buy merchandise. Uh, you can go to T Public and search Glitch Up, and we got a uh, hell of stuff on there. And most um, importantly, so- please rate and review. Um, if you have your parents' phones, grab them, rate and review. It really helps us out, helps us uh, get more listeners, and again, grow the podcast. Yeah. Uh, once again, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Bumblebee! Bumblebee!